Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Lana Reed and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today I get the opportunity to sit down and chat with CEO and founder of Custom Video Connection, Mr. Chris Hennessy. Chris's movies have received over 4 million internet views and he's been producing movies for more than 25 years. Today Chris is here to share a very powerful and a very personal story with us, his battle with cancer and his daughter's miracle survival of premature birth. Chris's story is one that will inspire us all. And I'm so happy that he took a minute of his time to sit down and chat with me. It's with pleasure that I welcome Chris Hennessy to the show today. Chris, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hey, Lana. You know, <laughs> for that for that amazing introduction, I'm going to just give myself a little cheer there. <laughs> the crowd is roaring. <laughs> and that brings me to the first uh, point here for today. Uh, your sense of humor. You uh, are Mr. Funny Guy. Have you always been Mr. Funny Guy? You know, it started back uh, in the womb when I was a little little baby. My dad was probably the funniest person I've ever met. Uh huh. And he was a, a New York cop, mm-hmm. and uh, just as funny as many of the uh, popular comics at the time. I've taken it to a professional level, and it you know it's helped me. Not only in business, but also, as we'll talk about, in life. Okay. Okay. So you were the one who had to entertain the family all the time. Do you have brothers and sisters that you were always the one kind of buffering the humor there? <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of us. There's uh, I've, there's six siblings total. Oh, wow. And actually, uh, many of us, <laughs> almost almost all of us, were, were, were funny. But I'll come out right now and say out of all the siblings, I'm, I'm by far the most funny. <laughs> of course you're going to say that, right? Get you guys all in the room. I'm pretty sure somebody would say something different, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool stuff. So uh, you've got this wonderful, amazing lady on your side, and her name is Betsy. Um, how, how long have you and uh, Betsy been married? Betsy and I just celebrated our 12th, I was going to say our 12th birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, honey, our 12th anniversary. Okay. And uh, we've been together 15 years. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it's always nice to find a good one to kind of put up with our stuff. Well, you know something? Not only has she had to put up with my stuff, but I think I can make an estate, a statement early on here on, <laughs> on this uh, show. If it weren't for Betsy, I don't know if I'd be alive right now. Awesome. 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 You need somebody there to kind of shore you up sometimes, especially with, like I said, when we get into your story and everybody starts to really appreciate the whole totality of it, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to walk that path alone. So, you know, kudos kudos and claps, hand claps for Betsy right now. Yay, Um, Betsy. (laughs) So you and Betsy, you've been together for, uh, you've been married for 12 years, um, together for 15. So at what part of your journey as a couple did you guys uh you know try to make an addition to the family when did you guys start that process wow you know we actually started the process very early in our relationship and i mean we we used to go on these long distance walks (laughs) and and this is 13 14 15 years ago and we would talk about one day having a hannah Mm mm-hmm and when it got to be late 2008, okay. we we had been trying to have Hannah for about three years. Okay. And it wasn't happening. Okay. It was and fun trying, though, right? Well, hey, I got to tell you, being a guy <laughs> with a beautiful wife, I was really enjoying the vigorous trying. <laughs> Ah, I say we weren't successful, but it sure was fun trying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it took about three years for, you know, Hannah to kind of start her her way here. Um, Was it a surprise? I got to tell you something. Before you go, let me just tell a quick little story. Okay. This is something that you might not know is 
we, it started to look like with the doctors that <clears throat> I was having some sort of serious issues. I had a couple doctors tell me, geez, I haven't seen this in my 25 years of practice. I haven't seen this in my 30 years of practice. I had several issues, and I was a healthy runner at the mm-hmm. time. I had low sperm count. Okay. I had uh, a very high PSA level, and it got to the point when in about March – the doctor said, listen, what we need to do next is biopsy your prostate. Mm. Now, once we biopsy your prostate, Mr. Hennessy, we know you're trying to have a baby, but that's going to be impossible. Oh, my. So I jumped right in. I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. Can we just try like being, of course, that I loved the trying aspect. <laughs> can we try? Can we try for another month or two before I have the uh, biopsy? The doctor said, sure, I, I think that would be fine. And then my wife and him started talking about, you know, freezing sperm and this and that. And I was kind of clueless. But miraculously, after trying for so long and learning about all of those issues, I think we kind of just went home and, and relaxed. And she didn't think about these little things women do this day to, these mm-hmm. days to find out, you know, when they can ovulate. Gotcha. Miraculously... We made Hannah. Hannah, the, the first miracle of my story was, turned out I did have uh, an advance, uh, uh, an aggressive prostate cancer, but Hannah was conceived, and that was a miracle. Wow. So all this time, we're trying, nothing's happening. Then we get this, you know, uh, first conversation with the doctor, like maybe this is why you're not, and then here she comes. Here she is. Amazing. Amazing. We were blown away. Wow. So you find out that Betsy is, well, (coughs) Betsy are pregnant. And so do you go back to the doctor and say, okay, now I'm ready to start taking care of this issue? The prostate cancer? Yes. Yes. We, uh, we scheduled in, uh, an appointment in, I believe it was late May to have the, uh, to have the, uh, prostate biopsy. And that here's, here's, Here's what defined the next several months of my life. Mm-hmm. When I went in for that biopsy, I had the nurses, I had the patients, <laughs> everybody like rolling on the floor in hysterics. <laughs> I was asking nurses silly questions like, do you work here? <laughs> and then I was... I was in the office. I was making believe I was the doctor, and I was gonna uh, I was gonna examine other men's prostates. And uh, well, the doctor came in, and I thought he was pissed off at me. And he looked at me with a very serious face, and he said, "Mr. Hennessy, this behavior alone can boost your immune system more than twenty percent." Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, let me ask you this. Let me make sure I'm clear. So when you go in at this particular time and you're you're joking around with everybody in the hospital, you're just you're still, you know, I'm a healthy guy and I'm just going to have a biopsy and everything's going to be fine. Um, There was you you really weren't in any in mentality that it was going to be going the direction that it went. Correct. Yeah. Not only correct, but I said to the doctor just before he started digging in, I said, you know, I'm not worried about this, doc. I said. Mm -hmm. I've got four brothers and a dad and grandparents and nobody's ever had prostate cancer. Matter of fact, there's even no history Mm. of cancer in my family. And the doctor looked at me and said, that don't matter with prostate cancer. Mm So then, you know, the doctor does all that uncomfortable stuff that men don't like done. And is there a waiting period before you find out the results? Yeah, it was about three, four, five days, maybe a week. Mm-hmm. Went into the doctor's office. And, you know, whenever I walked into that office, it was – I lifted that place up. But as soon as I walked into that office, it didn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. And they walked me into the doctor's you know, office where his desk was. And they sat me there for – Man, I sat in that chair with my wife for 30 or 40 minutes, and it was the loudest 
silence I'd ever heard in my life. Hmm. So, what, you know, just what is the mindset, though? You know, okay, the doctor's trying to explain to you this is this is what this is. And, you know, Chris, Chris, no, you can't be talking about me. No, what are you talking about? You know, uh, you know, is it, you know, immediate, I'm going to kick cancer butt? Or, you know, is it a like, wow, let me like, wow, really cancer? Like, really? Or, I mean, wh- where do you go mentally with this after you, you have this conversation with the doctor? Well, that's a good good question. Um, the doctor walked in after a half hour and he said, he said, uh, Mr. Hennessy's not good news. And not only is it prostate cancer, but it's uh, an unusually aggressive prostate cancer. Wow. Then he went into detail with a whole bunch of stuff, and I didn't hear any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I left. We were both pretty numb. I woke up the next day. You know how sometimes you wake up in the morning, and for the first few seconds, you have no idea where you are, or maybe you yes. take a nap in the afternoon. It's like, where am I and yeah. what time is it? I woke up that next morning kind of with a smile on my face. And then after a couple of seconds, I remembered. And then I immediately, I felt like I was in hell. Mm. And it was uh, driving around the car later that day. I just I just took a drive by myself. And I became very at peace and I became very relaxed. And I just said to myself, you know what? This don't look good, but there ain't nothing I can do about it except pray mm-hmm. and have my people surround me. And we're going to just, we're going to fight this and we're going to continue to be ourselves. We're going to work out at the gym. I'm going to, uh, still create my films and be passionate about my work and just pretty much carry on business as usual. Okay. Okay. I like that. So at this particular time, when you get your diagnosis, how far along was Betsy? Or did you guys know at that time? No, yeah, we knew. Hannah was due. I'm not really good in math, but Hannah was due on December 27th. Okay. So I think she was conceived in March or April. Okay. And we were just a couple months along okay. at that time. I had the surgery on August 3rd. And at that time, I think Betsy was, that was 2009. I think Betsy was five months into it. Okay. Okay. So, um, you, you get your diagnosis and how you said your, uh, what month was it that you got your diagnosis? I believe it was June 2nd, 2009. Okay. So then a couple of months later, you're in for surgery. Yes. Okay, did they do any treatment in between then or? No, they did not. Okay, so I'm just kind of curious, was it your personal choice to delay surgery for so long or why was there, it was like a two-month gap in between there, right? June, July? It it took me a week or two to decide, you know, I had some decisions to make on what to do. Okay. And I I, I seeked the opinions of several high-caliber prostate cancer doctors from around the country okay. and probably seven out of eight of them said get it out the only chance you have is to is to remove it take it out okay okay so you were exploring some other options besides that the one you took then i'm assuming yes yes which oh, is called okay. i had what's called a radical prostatectomy it's where they remove the prostate and some of the stuff around it okay okay Okay, now see. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, hang in there with me, Chris. We're going to be right back. Hi. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Today I am with the CEO of Custom Video Connection, Mr. Chris Hennessy. And just to recap, uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, him and Betsy, his wife Betsy, and their 12 years of marriage. They have managed to conceive, and then he gets his diagnosis of prostate cancer. Um, and, you, you know, you're thinking, here it is, we've managed to, you know, get adjusted to the whole Mary thing and, you know, trying to have a child and okay we've overcome that hurdle and then bam you know here we are with this 
and you're at the point you you go ahead and opt for the surgery and you have some complications even with the surgery after you have your prostate cancer treatment, right? Yes. Yeah, I uh when I was wheeled into surgery, I was kidding around with my buddies that I, I was going out on the golf course and <laughs> I was going to birdie the first hole and and then I was uh what was I I was making fun of the two guys that were wheeling me in saying they were uh uh that the, the, the three of us were the three stooges. <laughs> so we had we had the sur- you know the the prostate was taken out. My doctor said it was just one ball of cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, in any case, a couple days later, I started to feel pr- pretty ill. And I got to the point where I couldn't even sit up in my bed. Mm-hmm. And it, it turned out that my digestive system never started working um, after the surgery. Mm-hmm. And I just got so ill, beyond nauseous. They gave me a big tub, and I was uh, vomiting in that big tub. And mm-hmm. and then the, the doctors were in an emergency surgery, so I had to lay there for literally about three hours before they could decide what exactly to do. And it was just, it was just three hours of just absolute hell. Mm-mm-mm. Finally, the nurse said to me, listen, what we've got to do is we've got to try to pump the poison out of your stomach. So we're going to stick this plastic tube, t- tube down your nose, into your throat, you know, try to get it down into your stomach. Well, if you're if you're like me and most people, last thing I feel like having anybody do is sticking anything in my nose. There you go. But when it's life and death... <laughs> I had to say yes. <laughs> so she pushed and dug and prodded and, you know, cut up my nose and uh-uh. it was so uncomfortable and, and in the meantime I, I, I was vomiting and it was horrible. After about a half hour of digging and prodding and pushing and feeling like I was gonna die, she looked at me and she said, Mr. Hennessy, I'm very sorry but this is not working. Oh, no. I've got to pull it out and try the other nostril. Oh, we'd fight now. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Yeah. All I could say was go for it. And then for the next 30 to 40 minutes while she tried again, all I said to myself was, you got to get through this. You got to get through this. You got to get through this. You got to over and over and over and over and then I started going in and out of consciousness, and um, finally I remember just hearing a whole bunch of people clapping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how many doctors and nurses were in the room, but she finally got it, and it started finally started emptying out. And you know what the funny thing is? Hmm. That whole day, that whole incident encompassed actually about eight hours. Okay. And the next day, when I woke up, I still had that stupid tube in my nose, but I I thought to myself, wow, you accomplished something great yesterday, Chris. Mm -hmm. You got through that. And, you know, that confidence that we get from accomplishing things in our life, man, that carried me through – a few several days later, when it was time to check out of the hospital, the doctor came to me and said, "Chris, I've got great news. While that prostate was full of cancer, the pathology report shows that none of it escaped. Mm. That meant they got it all. Good stuff. Unfortunately, they came back a few weeks later, and the blood test revealed." that they had not got it all. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? The confidence that I got just carried me through. Man, I can do this, and I can be funny, and I can do great things. And within a couple weeks, I was out walking two or three miles a day. Um, I was working on some exciting film projects. 
uh, I felt okay. The surgery itself anatomically wasn't in such a bad spot, okay. which made it, you know, so in a couple weeks I could walk. Okay. Well, then I started feeling a, a very bad pain in my, in my foot. And I, I started feeling this in the hospital. And on the morning of September 1st, I was on the way to Stanford Hospital up here. And uh, I got a call from Betsy. Mm-hmm. She said, "She said, look, you know, everything had been going great in the pregnancy. She said, listen, I I, uh, I didn't feel good last night. I just called the doctor. I've got some pressure. And he suggested that we meet him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I said, meet him in the hospital? Well, remember, Hannah was due December 7th. Mm-hmm. And this was September 1st. And it turned out that I had a, a very bad side effect going on myself, which I'll talk about in a second. Okay. But I drove back to the ho- to home. Betsy and I drove the seven minutes to, to, to the hospital where Hannah was eventually going to be born. The nurse did a couple tests, and then she reached down to do an examination of Betsy. And she lifted her head up, and I had just a ringside view Mm-hmm. And I'll, ne- I'll never forget her face. She looked at Betsy and she said, I'm very sorry, but you're nine centimeters. Wow. Hannah was born within an hour and a half. Wow. At one pound, nine ounces. Oh, my, my. And I gave, when we first, when the doctor, when the nurse first said that to Betsy, Betsy started completely losing it. Yelling and screaming, oh, my God, I, I just read yesterday. Her <laughs> lungs aren't developed. Hannah's not going to make it. Hannah's going to die. Mm-mm-mm. Well, sometimes in life, within a couple of seconds, we have to just make these unbelievable decisions. Mm-hmm. And what I did, and one of the things I'm really proud of, I didn't realize this till maybe a couple of years later, but at that in two, three, four seconds, I decided to make my first of two Martin Luther King speeches <laughs> to my wife. And I stood up and I said, no, That's she's right. going to be fine. She's going to make it. We're going to pray to God and he's going to hold their hand through this. We have to be, you know, I went into that whole, <laughs> it was just un. I have a dream. <laughs> My daughter is going to be fine. <laughs> and that, I'll tell you what, that set the, that set the, set tone, the tone for the entire stay. Mm-mm-mm. Amazing. So Hannah comes out, one pound, nine <laughs> ounces. Um, so you're in the hospital. And you're Mr. Motivator. You know, you're you're like, okay, I've I've managed to get this far and kick all of this butt, and you know, I'm I'm staying encouraged for my wife, and I'm you know making the staff at the hospital you know laugh and and keep their spirits up in spite of my situation. But yet, and still, you've got, still got stuff going on with you. Well, you know, the doctor on the second day, we stood at the incubator, and the doctor who I loved, Doctor Powers. He looked at the incubator and he said, Mr. Hennessy, Hannah is fighting for her life right now. Mm-hmm. And after everything that I had gone through the last few months, my first reaction was, you're kidding me. Am I, am I really going through this? Is this mm-hmm. really happening? And he gave us all of the percentages of uh, – I think the chance of her living at that point was 50-50, but the chances of her having a healthy life were much lower than that. They were just dangerously low. And he also shared with us that Hannah had a little spot on her brain. And um, it was probably a little blood leak. So the next morning, they had a uh, a scan set up, and he told us that the scan showed, or they had had a scan, and it showed the little blood spot. And if they had the, the scan the next day, if it showed the blood spot, spot was growing, mm-hmm. 
That means it would have been, there was bleeding on the brain. That would have been the end of Hannah. And at the same time, I had to go to Stanford because my leg, my foot blew up like a softball. And I, I knew what it was. I had a one in a hundred percent, I'm sorry, I had a one in a hundred percent chance of having a blood clot as a side effect from the surgery. And I knew I had a blood clot. So on the same, uh, the next day, I went in for my tests and it revealed it was a, a life-threatening blood clot. I had two of them uh, called deep, deep vein thrombosis. And Hannah had had a brain scan in the morning that was going to re- reveal whether or not she was going to have the chance to live. Mm-hmm. Well, I cried a bit on the way home. I let myself sulk a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when I got home, just the whole day, that's all I thought about was Hannah, 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 Hannah. Is she going to be okay? Is she going to be okay? And it was, if you can imagine, it was a lot of pressure. True. And when the doctor called us at 5 o'clock and told us that the spot had not grown, myself and my wife and Betsy's mother just jumped for joy like you wouldn't believe. Cool. And that little kid, you know, three months before she was supposed to be alive, fought for her life. And, you know, eventually won the battle. Cool, cool. I mean, and you know, that's so encouraging. Here it is. You have this little one pound, almost two pound, you know, uh, being, you know, saying to the adults, look, if I'm up here doing my best to, to kick butt and stay, stay in this game, you guys have no excuse. So dad, I need you to keep your focus, keep going, <laughs> and we're going to do this together. I mean, and already you already see that she's setting up the foundation and platform to be this inspirational miracle child that she has been for you and your family, I'm assuming. But, you know, I mean, just, you know, it's just so awesome, you know, that like she's like, Dad, look, I'm doing it. What is, what is your excuse, Dad? Come on now. <laughs> Chris, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hang in there with me. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Don't box me in. I am talking with the man behind the Touched by Hannah Project, uh, CEO of Custom Video Connection, Mr. Chris Hennessy. And we were talking about this little awesome, uh, I think he calls her Hannah Banana, is that correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So Hannah, she uh, joins the Hennessy family in September, and right out the gate, she's kicking butt. I mean, she's she's taking names, and uh, the doctor tells you guys that she does not have a spot on her brain, and uh, so we've got some positive outlook there. But at the same same time, you're battling um, these blood clots, and I'm assuming that now you have to, you know, uh, go ahead and get that taken care of, but. Hannah, at the same time, she needs, um, I think the doctors tell you that she needs some day-to-day interaction from both parents to kind of stimulate her growth to get her out the hospital. Is, is that correct? Yeah, you know, not all doctors will tell you this, and it is a little bit of a misconception when it comes to preemies or premature birth, but Dr. Powers told us on the second day that as good as technology is, mm-hmm. the, the best thing for Hannah right now is mommy and daddy's touch, mommy and daddy's voice, and mommy and daddy's scent. Okay. So, and they also told us, you know, you don't want to be heroes and be here 24 hours a day. Hannah needs mommy and daddy that are, you know, healthy and functioning and awake. So I would go there every night at about 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we were in the intensive part of intensive care. And the only thing we could do to have contact with Hannah was stick our arm through the uh, a hole in the incubator. Mm -hmm. And when my finger would touch her near microscopic hand, she would grab onto my finger. Oh. And we would I would sit like that with my daughter through seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. Sometimes midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, the entire time that little hand 
holding my finger. The picture of that is, is amazing. And the whole time I'd be singing to her. I wish I recorded all the songs, all the songs I made up and all of the prayers I made up. One of them was, I used to sing over and over again, she's my little banana. <laughs> she's my Hannah banana. <laughs> and you know, and as, as tough as these times were, you know, we still didn't know if our daughter was going to make it. And in that unit, you know, the baby two incubators down, he didn't make it. Aww. And the one kitty corner didn't make it. The NICU unit is not a fun place to be. It's like being in war. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a brutal place. And it, it's a, it's a frightening place. But those nights I had with Hannah bonding with my daughter several months before I was supposed to, not exactly sure what it was, but those were some of the absolute best nights of my life. Mm -mm -mm. And I really think that, I don't think, I know that my wife and I were responsible for helping this kid to live and to make it through. Good, good. I love that the doctor gave you that advice. Um, you know, there's been many studies said that nothing really equates to human touch. I mean, even as adults, we need it for our, our survival. So um, I'm pretty sure your presence there, you know, I mean, not only was it good for her, but in its in its own way, it had its its effect on you and your spirit as well. Amen. There you go. I'm curious. So just so I have an understanding of this visual, you were back and forth from different hospital facility to other hospital facility you you're treated here and she's treated someplace else you're back yes. and forth yes okay so that that in itself had to take a physical toll already i mean you're struggling to keep your own health together and you're doing this back and forth and and you're you're hanging out in the hospital for hours on end with hannah and stuff like that um you know i I'm just amazed that you're you're keeping this all together and you're keeping your spirits up throughout this whole thing. It was a lot to keep together. Um, you know, if there were times where you would look at Hannah and there were so many wires and tubes coming out of her that it was uh, when I look at the actually looking at the pictures now is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But but back then, if you can relate to this, I kind of didn't see them. I saw my baby That's and, and I had issues, but I just, you know, I had, uh, I started on, uh, Coumadin and, mm -hmm. and I said, all I, <laughs> all I kept saying to this doctor was, can I keep walking? Can he keep walking? He said, finally, he said, Mr. Hennessy, please let's calm this thing down first. <laughs> so I took a week off from my walking and then I started up again because it's so therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a very scary thing for me, but I kind of didn't feel about it. My main focus was Hannah, and when stuff happens, you got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you right now, is going through all of that stuff, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but Betsy and I talk about that. It made us so much stronger today that we went through that stuff and we had those difficult times and, and we got through them and we tried hard and, and we remained ourselves and I was able to stay focused. I was able to stay, to stay calm. And I think a lot of that was the, uh, the sense of humor and laughing and having people laugh in some of the most ridiculous, uh, there was a couple nurses in that NICU that thought I was absolutely insane. <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> and you know what? I, yeah, I can't blame them at all. But when, when it was said and done, I think that's one of the reasons why my daughter is alive. That's right. And when I left that NICU, which is, could be like being in a morgue or on the front lines of war, you know, the, the main doctor said, hey, you lifted this entire place on your shoulders and, and made it a, 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 a great place to be for a while. We could, we could use more of you here. And, and when we left that hospital, man, I felt bad that I, I had some comrades that I was leaving in the line of battle. But we get out of that joint and around Thanksgiving time after three months and never look back. Hannah right now is she went from being one of the sickliest kids in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Now she's one of the healthiest kindergarten kids around. 
cool stuff. And how old is she today? She's five years old. Congratulations. She, man, she is the joy of my life and, and it's just, you know, you know, here's my take on, on life in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Kids have the ability to live their life out of the box and to think out of the box. It's mm-hmm. one of the big terms we use right now is out of the box, out of the box. Yes. When a kid is on the beach, and if I'm playing with Hannah at the beach, she's not thinking about what we're doing later this afternoon. Kids, they get into the now. They're present in the moment, yes. They get present in the moment. And even though, you know, I wound up going through nauseating radiation treatments, and, and even though to this day I have advanced prostate cancer right now, we don't know where it is. We don't know what it's going to do, when it's going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, my life might not be terribly lengthy, mm-hmm. but I am able to live in the moment and enjoy Hannah when I'm with her in that moment and in the present. And it makes it almost to where life is infinity. And and then when you add on top of that, that I, just, I remain who I am. Mm-hmm. I remain, you know, my comical self. I'm still producing the best, by far the best work of my life, and I'm in my 50s. You just got to keep living, folks. You got to keep living, loving, learning. It's one big learning experience, and I'm going to enjoy the ride. There you go. <laughs> ride it till the wheels fall off, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you I got go. Four, I got four of them. So Hannah is is a little angel, and I think that people don't really understand sometimes in life, you know, we're given these little angels, but we kind of overlook them. Yours just kind of hits you smack in your face. But, you know, we're given these little, you know, tools, these people, these 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 moments of encouragement to get the rough spots, and Hannah is truly, truly yours. Um, we're going to turn the, the volume down a little bit so Betsy doesn't hear, but I'm betting that Hannah is daddy's girl, right? That you're, you're the guy, right? <laughs> Hannah loves her dad and daddy. Yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a couple of mile walk later this afternoon, and I wind up at the school, and then we walk home from her school, and she's really into this movie right now, Dolphin Tale Two. Okay. So the whole walk home, we play Dolphin Tale Two, and and t- just to be in her make believe world, mm-hmm. it's you know what it is, it's magic. It's, it's, I think out of all of God's creations, just think of all the creations there are, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the life here, all the mountains, the oceans. I think his best creation is human kids. That's right. They're so and, innocent. They're so pure. They're just, you know, they don't have any of the, you know, they don't have to worry about bills and is there going to be toilet paper, toothpaste in the bathroom. They're just so carefree. <laughs> it's a wonderful world. Yes, it is. And they're, they're, they're not interested in like, you know, stabbing people in the back or, <laughs> yes. or they just want to love people and they, they're real. And I'm, I'm a real person and I really appreciate the realness of kids. Betsy and I, for the last several years, have done a children's ministry class at church. We have a class of two year olds every Sunday. Okay. The most fun thing that I do and Hannah helps us now. So that's a real joy. Yeah, yeah, kids will give you a lot of energy, a lot of, lot of motiva- motivation. Let me ask you this real quick before we go to commercial break. What, what is Hannah's um, understanding of, of daddy's health? <sighs> she doesn't really understand it. Okay. We don't, we don't tell her much. Gotcha. Um, okay. And daddy, you know, I ran 20 minutes yesterday and I walked two miles. I did a bunch of scans back in June. They didn't show anything, okay. but the but the blood tests keep rising steadily. So it's just one of those things where I'm really in the dark, and you know we we hope we hope that some of these new drugs come out, and we hope that my life is going to be prolonged. I, I really think it will, um, and I really don't worry about it a whole lot. <coughs> but. Um, but yeah, we're just yeah, it's a that's a tough one. Just enjoying the moments here. She knows that there's some kind of an issue, but I guess we don't harp on it. It's a it's a difficult thing to Gotcha. You you Lana, real quick, 
even when it comes to mom and dad and, and my brothers and sisters, people are afraid to talk about cancer. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're, they're, sometimes they don't call me up and I get on there. Guys, why aren't you calling me up and talking to me? Yeah. Just because I have cancer, you, what are you going to shut me out of your life? So I think, I think that's an important thing. I, if you have friends or loved ones with cancer, talk to them. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep the communication lines open. Don't be afraid. It, mm-hmm. And I don't think cancer is something that we necessarily have to fear. And we are taught to fear that. The big C word. Yes. Big C word. Well, you know, I'm I'm very uh, I'm one that's big on speaking things into existence. So, Chris, you've given us 50 years. I'm I'm just going to speak it to existence that you're going to give us at least 40, 50 more. So, I mean, I'm I'm already naming and claiming that. So, thanks, there you go, (laughs) baby. There you go. So, we're going to take the last break of the day. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome, welcome back. Today I am with the funny guy behind Custom Video Connection, Mr. Chris Hennessy, and uh, we have been uh, intaking his story today, just an awesome story of uh, kind of getting kicked in the gut, but coming back and, and kicking some more butt yourself. So we've survived the prostate cancer and the the premature birth and, you know, relationships and, and love and all that stuff is blossoming. Um, but because of all of this, you started this wonderful thing that I want to make sure I cover, and that is the Touched by Hannah uh, project. Can you share with the audience what that's all about? Sure. <clears throat> sure. I'm, I'm uh, in the heavily deep into pre-production of a film about my story, the story that we just talked about. And the name of the film is Touched by Hannah. And you can simply go to touchedbyhannah.com and see uh, some of the trailer films and read more about us and then connect to our Facebook, maybe throw us a couple of dollars for, for funding. And it's, I've been a storyteller. Here's a cool story. I'll tell you real quick. <clears throat> In 1986, I have three older kids, mm-hmm. 31, 29, and 26. Oh, yes, older kids. Yes, and when they were babies back in the mid-80s, I bought a camcorder just to record them as little toddlers, mm-hmm. and I immediately became addicted to telling stories with it, and I, I quit my job as a sales and marketing representative in 1990 and became a filmmaker, independent filmmaker, video producer, without even a class under my belt, <laughs> and I've been an independent Ever since, I've, I've filmed 1,500 weddings. Those, those put hair on my chest and those, <laughs> those live events made me the producer I am today. The last couple of years I've produced and directed and wrote films for Google and mm-hmm. eBay and Office Max and, uh, Kaiser, a whole bunch of, uh, of big companies. But, Touched by Hannah will be my first feature film, and it's it's my passion, if you can imagine. And it's it's not even really a story that I want to tell; it's a story that I have to tell. Yeah, I was checking out a, a, the trailer for it, and I thought that was so cute. I really, I cannot express enough. I just enjoy your energy and your humor, especially through all of that, you know, because I, I can be kind of a weakling. I probably would be in a corner somewhere rocking back and forth, like, <laughs> oh, why me? Why me? Couldn't you pick somebody else? So, you know, to, to just absorb your energy is amazing to me. Um, I'm just curious. If you had not been a filmmaker, let's let's reflect on Chris here for a moment. Uh, what do you think you would be doing with your life? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know. There's I no was a sales and marketing rep for ten years, and I was pretty good at it because I'm good at you know I'm not, I'm an extrovert. Um, Gift of gap. Yeah, and you know maybe I'd still be doing that. The miracle of, of that whole thing is, you know, as you and I know, there's probably there's there's so many people that I don't think find their real passion in life, mm-hmm. and especially even if they do know what it is, they're not able to pursue it. But I really felt that 
somehow God led me to, to, to this. And, and I've been, you know, I've been doing, I'm like a kid. I've been doing what I'm passionate about since 1990 and I've made it work and, and, you know, I'm doing the, with the technology changes now. Oh, it's yes. just, yes. it's ridiculous. I've got enough to learn, you know, for the rest of my life, even if it is, like you said, like 40 years, I could, you know, I could learn every day, all day. So I'm just, I'm a lucky one. I haven't made a ton of money and, you know, where there's no way I could be, you know, be close to retirement right now, but I'm passionate. I love the like heck what I'm doing. I'm still, I'm 57 years old. I still have big dreams and big things I'm accomplishing and trying to accomplish. And, you know, working out and family and Hannah, Hannah is just a true candle under my butt to keep me going, to keep me happy, to keep me energized. So there's times when you can allow yourself to hide in the corner and, and soak a little bit. And believe me, there's, there's times where I go, Oh my God, I have advanced prostate cancer. But usually they don't last that long and, and maybe I'll go for a walk or go for a, a run or something like that. Okay. Awesome. 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 You know, just totally motivational. Um, I want to make sure that I do point out to the audience with the touch, um, um, by Hannah Project because I, I think it's very awesome some of the things that you're doing with it and, and like you did mention there's an opportunity for people to uh, kind of link in and support you and you have some of the most creative things that I've seen out there where people can support you and and some of that is the uh, you know laugh lots with Chris or the coffee joint meetup uh, can you kind of <laughs> tell, tell some people some of the ways that they can you know kind of hang out with Chris and get some of his energy and also support the project at the same time well if you go on to that Web page, you'll see that there's different categories. Uh, we did a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, which is the, like a Kickstarter. And these things, these days, what they do is they have you offer awards to people that give. So there's different levels of awards there. If you live in the area here, you could have coffee with Hannah and I at a coffee joint. Uh, we could, we could talk on the phone. Um, Let's see, Laugh Lots with Chris. I think that might be one where I take, I've been taking people to my favorite, uh, comedy, uh, okay. comedy, uh, club here. And we'll go out and we'll have uh, a little bit of dinner and then we'll go meet the comics and then we'll sit in the audience and see the show. And, and, you know, nothing better than going out <clears throat> on a night with Chris Hennessy and laughing and then laughing, <laughs> at, laughing at a show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um reflecting on this whole journey and it's it's not over with yet. Um what do you say the most important lessons that you've learned from Hannah have been? You know, when we finally brought Hannah home in November, It was the most amazing feeling. It was the most rewarding feeling because we had a battle to bring her home. We didn't just have Hannah and bring her home. You know, we get spoiled in thinking that we're just so able and easy uh, mm -hmm. and uh, deserve to have kids. But with us, it was a big challenge. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that have that same challenge and, and and have a lot more issues than we had. So we're thankful, so freaking thankful we got through that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we came home after going through that whole journey, this was got to be early 2010. If you remember, we were deep in the recession. Mm -hmm. And my film and video production business, I had nothing on the books. Oh, wow. We still had tough roads ahead. <laughs> and, of course... I still had the, the prostate cancer. So, man, I think that challenges are always there. But the main thing we really learned is when you work hard and you accomplish things, it gives you the confidence to know that you can accomplish other great things. It's like the snowball effect. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm not, you know, the th things don't really rattle me. Things I don't stress out. Like I used to when I was younger. There's very little that I stress about. Even if I have tough issues, I don't stress. I deal with them. So, 
just remember everybody everybody should go back and look at what they've accomplished in their life write that stuff down and that should give you the confidence to know that you can accomplish even that much more yeah you know i think you know people get so sucked into what is going on now that they kind of forget all of the amazing things that they have gotten through or, you know, how they've managed to touch and enlighten somebody else's life. Like, look at you, even in your battles, you have, you know, uplifted the whole entire, you know, uh, area of the hospital where not only you were being treated, but where Hannah was being treated. And you will have that impact on, you know, many people for many, many years to come. You know, I just really think people need to say, you know, this is now. But there's something so much bigger than right now that um, I'm able to impact. You know what? Very well said. Very true. And, and what we should all have is just the ability to recognize our accomplishments. With me, even the fact that my relationship with my mother-in-law and father-in-law is so great, and I love them totally, and I, and I share that with Hannah, you know, I'm, that's a little accomplishment that I'm very proud of, that, that I think makes me a better man. So it doesn't have to be a Hannah or a cancer. There's a lot of things we've accomplished. Just learn to recognize what you've done, what you've accomplished, and, you know, think about that as you move forward. Awesome, awesome, awesome motivation, awesome inspiration just listening to the story of you and Hannah. And I do not want to make sure I do not forget Betsy because she played a very integral part in all of this too as well. So this is, this is a big story for everybody. Um, uh, now we're at the end of the hour. I have so enjoyed my time with Chris today. Uh, my guest has been Mr. Chris Hennessy. Please visit his website, touchbyhannah.com. Uh, Chris, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. Continue to keep kicking cancer butt and making people laugh and make sure you give Hannah many, many hugs for me. Hey, one more thing, Lana. I am available for speaking engagements. If people are interested, they can look at the website. I love talking to you. That hour went by too darn fast. There you go. There you go. Once again, Connect with Chris, touchedbyhannah.com. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>